And now, a special presentation of Faith Fit Radio with your host, Catherine Laguna. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Fit Radio. I'm Catherine Laguna. Welcome if we have any first-time listeners. Last week, we spoke with Ali Aliyah, who had a beautiful message of feeling confident in your faith, of sharing the gifts God has given you. So this week, our special guests, yep, there's two of them, <laughs> they're not shy or reluctant to share their faith either. Christopher West and Mike Mangione will be in the Diocese of Orlando this coming April, sharing their message of, what's my destiny? What's my meaning of life, love, and purpose? Their event, titled Made for More, will take them to Prince of Peace Parish in Ormond Beach on April 25th. First, we'll be talking with Christopher, who is the founder and president of his ministry, The Core Project. On the second half of the podcast, we'll get to hear about Mike's collaboration of talk and music incorporated within the ministry. Nice to have you on the podcast this week, Christopher. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Catherine. Great to be with you and your audience. Thank you so much. Now, you and Mike already have so much hype spreading throughout the diocese about your Made for More event. Please tell us what's so extraordinary about your ministry, the Core Project. Well, Core Project, the word core is Latin for heart, C-O-R. And what we're really trying to do is get at the deepest desires of our hearts. You know, in the words of the prophet Bruce Springsteen, everybody's got a hungry heart. <laughs> what are we supposed to do with that hunger? See, the culture knows that we are hungry. The culture knows that we're looking for something. But this, is a, this event is all about recognizing we are made for more than what the culture is holding out to us. You see, this hunger we have, a lot of people think Christianity is a starvation diet. You know, basically Christianity says your desires are bad, you need to repress all that. But follow all these rules, and you'll be a good, upstanding citizen. And if that's what we think our faith is, we're going to fall for what I call the culture's fast food gospel. And that's the secular promise of immediate gratification for that hunger. Now, I know from experience, Catherine, that eating fast food, you know, what the culture holds out to us, according to my metaphor, it tastes good going down, and it's better than starving to death, but... Soon enough, the grease and the sodium is going to catch up with you. What we're doing in this event, Made for More, is we are showing everybody that Christianity is not a starvation diet. It's an invitation to a feast, a feast, a banquet, a banquet of life and love that truly corresponds to our deepest hungers and desires. And I learned all this from something St. John Paul II taught called the Theology of of the body. See, our bodies reveal a great mystery. Our sexuality is a sign of something eternal. The reason we are so confused in the modern world about the meaning of our bodies, the meaning of love, the meaning of life, the meaning of marriage, is because we live in a pornographic fast food culture that teaches us to look at the body as something rather than seeing the body as someone. What we want to do through this event is give people a pair of glasses so that they can see themselves, see one another, see the world in a whole new way, see the world as it really is, as a sign that points to a banquet that we're all made for. Really, really, there is satisfaction for our hungry hearts. We're made for more than what the culture's holding out. Come to this event and learn about it for yourself. 
it's so nice to have people like yourself that are not shying away from these topics because I feel like I couldn't imagine growing up as a youth or a young adult. And I know that I'm in my 30s, so I kind of like qualify in a way. <laughs> but growing up with all these TV shows and books that are not really portraying the sexuality of of what it should be like. So what would your message be for all of those who are sort of like immersed in that world and, you know, trying to open their eyes to see something different? Yes. Well, we know. We know we're made for something, right? We know we have these hungers. What are we supposed to do with them? If you go down the road that the culture is telling you, like fast food, it tastes good going down. You know, I don't know about you, Catherine, but if, if the only two choices are starve on the one hand or eat the fast food on the other, I'm going for the nuggets because I'm hungry. <laughs> but my goodness, it tastes good going down, but then it catches up with you and it causes nothing but pain and heartache and despair. We know we are made for something more. Here's, here's how I put it in the event. I say there is a crisis of love in the modern world because there's a crisis of the person. We don't know what a human person is anymore. And there's a crisis of the human person because there's a crisis of the body. We've been given a pornographic vision of the body that cuts us off from the true dignity of the person and the true meaning of love. So what we need is a pair of glasses that enables us to see the body as it really is, as the revelation of the dignity of the person, as a call to the truth of what it means to love. And ultimately, the body reveals the mystery of God himself. How does God reveal his mystery to us? He says, this is my body given up for you. At the source and summit of everything we believe as Catholics, is a wedding feast called the Eucharist, a feast that, that literally is God giving himself to us in the flesh, so that we in our flesh, in our hungers, in our yearnings, in our longings, which are very visceral and very real, God meets us there. My goodness, Catherine, if the Eucharist is real, then we have a song to sing to Bruce Springsteen in his hungry heart. We have a song to sing to Mick Jagger who can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> and it goes like this. You satisfy the hungry heart with gift of finest wheat. If the Eucharist is real, then we have a song to sing to the whole world. And that's what this event is all about. It's about orienting our desires for infinite love and infinite happiness and infinite satisfaction of our infinite hunger to the bread that came down from heaven. If anybody's out there listening right now, and what I'm saying is resonating with you, that you know you have this hunger, that you know you're made for more than what the world is holding out to you, then come to this event where through beauty, through the beauty of music, live music with Mike Mangione, through the beauty of art, we have these big screens where we show great art and movie clips and and YouTube clips, and, <laughs> and art that inspires and stirs the heart, all woven together with a presentation which is very dynamic and exciting that, that awakens our hearts to our deepest desires, and then orients those hungers towards the bread that really satisfies, towards good food. That's what evangelization is, really. Evangelization is just one hungry person showing another hungry person where to find good food. And I'm telling you, I'm a hungry person, and I found some good food, and I'm on fire to invite the world 
to share in this banquet with me. Amen. You also have a new revised book edition of Theology of the Body for Beginners, which is a bestseller, so congratulations on that one. Thank you. Yeah, I first wrote that book in the early 2000s, and, and the culture has changed dramatically in the last you know, 15, 18 years. Oh my goodness, we are in a free fall of confusion about the meaning of our sexuality and the meaning of our bodies. So I had to revise that book based on just a different cultural situation and also what Pope Benedict XVI has revealed and some new insights from Pope Francis as well. So, yeah, new, new, fully updated version of Theology of the Body for Beginners, and uh, the event is going to be based largely on the content from, from that book. So then would you say that you wrote that book as in um, to get a better understanding of theology of the body for beginners to understand a little bit more? You know, because sometimes we just need a little bit more help, a little easier read. Yeah, well, well, if anybody's actually tried to read St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body directly, you're, you're going to learn right away that it is some very dense scholarly philosophy and theology. I remember the first time I read it in the early 90s. I needed a theological dictionary and a philosophical dictionary, and I was looking up words left and right <laughs> to try and understand it. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be translated. It needs to be put into a language that normal people can understand. That's what Theology of the Body for Beginners, the book, is all about. And that, of course, is what this event, Made for More, is all about. Putting this glorious vision in a language and in images and in, in, a, in art that is understandable and digestible so that we can we can enter into it, appropriate it, and live it in our daily lives. That's what it's all about. Cool. So I was looking at the CORE Project website, and it touched a little bit about this topic of destiny. And you often hear in pop culture this revolving thing of, you know, choose your destiny, follow your destiny. But for some reason, I just never associated the, that word destiny with, like, God, because I feel like the world shows you that you need to do it on your own, and you don't need anybody else to help you out with that. So... What sort of message do you want others to receive when it comes to finding our fulfillment, but with God in this Yeah, finding our destiny. It's a great mm-hmm. question. We all have some kind of destiny, don't we? I, and I hope it's a good one. <laughs> uh, the word destiny, if you look it up, look up the etymology, it actually means to aim at. It's an archer's term, to aim at. See, here's the thing. Our desires have a trajectory. They will take us wherever we aim them. And if it is true that we are desiring an infinite happiness, if we aim that desire for infinite happiness at anything less than the infinite, in other words, at anything less than God, then we're missing the mark. And that's what the word sin means. Sin is also an archer's term that means to miss the mark. Interestingly enough, The word for God's law in the scriptures, the Torah, that is also an archer's term, and it means to hit the mark. So destiny means to aim at, sin means to miss the mark, God's law means to hit the mark. What is the purpose of God's law? It's to aim our desires at that which really satisfies. That's what the Christian life is all about. The law of God is not a a list of oppressive rules to follow to keep us from our happiness. God's law is meant to aim our desire at the banquet that really fulfills the deepest hungers of our heart. If that is something you want to learn more about, you want to learn how to aim your desires at ultimate fulfillment, that is what this event, Made for More, is all about. I urge you, I urge you, put it on your calendar, 
and come out and see for yourself. This is what Jesus himself says in the beginning of John's Gospel. He says, come and become one who sees. This is the problem, Catherine, as Jesus says elsewhere. We look at ourselves, we look at our bodies, we look at the bodies of others, but we don't see what our bodies really reveal. Our bodies reveal a great mystery, Scripture tells us. St. Paul says that the one flesh union of husband and wife is a great mystery that is meant to reveal God's eternal plan of Christ marrying the Church, of Christ becoming one flesh with His bride, the Church. Where do we become one flesh? With Christ. We're the bride of Christ. Where do we become one flesh with Him? Where do we consummate the marriage with Jesus? In the Eucharist. When the bridegroom says, this is my body given up for you, when we put these glasses on, we start to see the sacraments in a whole new way. We start to see the human body in a whole new way. We start to see the natural world in a whole new way, because everything in God's creation is meant to lead us to the eternal joy and satisfaction we're made for. It's called the Eucharist. Come out and discover for yourself that you are made for this satisfaction. You're made for more than what the world's holding out. With your passion of faith, which is very, you know, contagious, I love it. Did you ever think that this would be what God wanted you to do all along? If somebody would have told me when I was a teenager in the 80s that this was, would be what I was doing with my life, I never would have believed it. I was <laughs> quite a rebellious teenager. <laughs> and I was rebellious because I was rebelling against what I thought the gospel was. I was rebelling against the starvation diet approach to Christianity, and I was indulging in the fast food. And yeah, it, it seemed fun and it tasted good going down, but it caught up with me in my college years, and it put me on my knees in a college dorm in 1988 saying, God in heaven, if you exist, you better show me why you gave me all these desires. What is your plan? That was my prayer. And, and that prayer led me on a journey that led me to discover this theology of the body in 1993. And I remember reading it for the first time, Catherine, and I realized I was holding in my hands the answer to the crisis of our times. Like, I, I really believe I was holding in my hands like something as big as the cure for cancer. Mm -hmm. And I knew then, I mean, if you discover something that big, you can't sit on it. you got to start telling people mm -hmm. about it. And I knew then I would spend the rest of my life studying this theology of the body and sharing it with the world. And uh, God has opened the doors to allow me to do that. I really believe I have the greatest job in the world. I, I just tell hungry people where to find good food. And you've already gone to so many cities and parishes throughout the country because you tour a lot. You get to meet so many different Catholics from around the world, basically. So, But I hear now you're hosting your own pilgrimage this year to Italy. Is that true? That is true. We, uh, <laughs> for the last several years, we've been taking people on different pilgrimages. We've been to Poland. We've been to Mexico City to see Our Lady Guadalupe. Last year, we went to Ireland. And this year, in November, we are leading a pilgrimage to Assisi and Rome. We're going to be uh, taking a 10-day tour. We're going to be diving deep into the mysteries of our faith, and we're going to be experiencing it firsthand. The, the, the eternal city, right? Vatican City, Rome. We're going to see for ourselves 
the place where St. Peter was crucified upside down. We're going to take in the very origin and roots of our faith. We're going to be going down into the catacombs, and we're going to be going into the heights of the Sistine Chapel. Get this, Catherine, I can't believe it, but it is true. We pulled some strings, mm-hmm. with some contacts we have in the Vatican, Whoa. and we, our pilgrimage has a private uh, a private time, two hours alone in the Sistine Chapel. What? This is unheard <laughs> of. I've, I've been in the Sistine Chapel a few times, but with thousands of people, mm-hmm. they usher you in and they push you out within five minutes. Just our pilgrimage group, we have two hours alone in the Sistine Chapel. And John Paul II described the Sistine Chapel as a shrine to the theology of the human body can't wait to lead pilgrims there. If this is of interest to anyone listening out there right now, I urge you to go to our website, coreproject.com. That's C-O-R project. Don't put an E on that or you'll end up at an apple orchard. (laughs) C-O-R project.com and click on the link about the pilgrimage to learn more. It's going to be a life-changing, in fact, once-in-a-lifetime kind of event. Oh, yes. I'm already jealous. I want to (laughs) go. Come, come, Catherine, come. That is so cool. So what would be like your final message and maybe like a one message takeaway for people that attend your event? What do you want them to learn? Well, here's what I want people to know. They are not crazy to believe that they are made for more than what the culture is holding out. We are. We're made for perfect love. We're made for authentic affirmation. We're made for the satisfaction of the deepest desires of our hearts. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the hope that the gospel holds out. Not that we will have perfect fulfillment in this life. There are trials, there are sorrows, there are sufferings in this life. But those trials, those sufferings, those sorrows can lead us, if we embrace them in union with Christ, they can and do lead us to the satisfaction of our deepest hopes and yearnings. That's what this event is all about. That's what the theology of the body is all about. I urge anybody out there listening with whom this is resonating to come out and see for yourself. You will not regret it. Incredible. So thank you, Christopher, for being on the podcast this week for us. It's been great listening to all your passion for the Catholic faith and especially for your event that's coming up on April 25th on Ormond Beach, Prince of Peace Parish. And we're going to be talking to Mike coming up. So we'll get to hear his perspective on the music part of uh, your event. So thank you so much. Thank you, Catherine. Now we're transitioning to this incredible collaboration Christopher has with Mike Mangione. Mike will be joining Christopher at the Made for More event at the end of April. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. How's it going? It's going very well. Thank you for having me. Of course. Are you guys getting any of that snowstorm? I think it's Toby this time. You've had so many. (laughs) You know, we're actually on it. Well, I'm always reluctant to say this, but we're on the way out of the uh, snow season. So right now... Everything's yellow, as in, like, dead grass, but, like, not white. So we're, I think we're on the best side of of the season. Oh, that's good, because I think it's lasted way too long for you guys. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, it's always, that's what you get with the territory, so. Yeah, you guys are used to it then. (laughs) Yes, yes. So then, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself and how this partnership of talk and music between you and Christopher came to be, because I find it very fascinating. Yeah, so I grew up in Chicago, actually. I grew up there. Nice. And, uh... Went to college in Wisconsin at a a university called Marquette. And then um, from there, I studied environmental science, but I loved uh, music. So 
I played throughout college, and then after college, um, I was actually offered. I was offered a job with uh, General Electric. I, I studied environmental science, and I was offered this environmental job, and I, I didn't take it. Mm. And I said, you know what? I want to go for music, and I. I left Chicago and moved to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Lived out there for about a year and a half. Did some some random stuff while playing music, little odd jobs that are kind of fun. Um, and then I, from there, for about a year and a half, I was there. And then I bought a, a van, and I lived in a van for about a year and a half, two years. And I just I traveled the country, kind of sleeping at campsites and Walmart parking lots and you know wow. driveways and stuff like that while playing shows at night. And that's kind of where I, I hone my, my craft of being a songwriter. and But, but mostly as a performer, really came out of those humbling experiences. Um, and then, yeah, that's how it started. And then I met Christopher. So that was, man, that was 2003 to 2005. And then um, from, I think like 2001, I met Christopher and we became friends. But while I was reading his work he was listening to my music and we were both becoming fans of each other's work (laughs) cool yeah and then so like that was kind of we had talked about doing something together at one time we talked about doing something musically together which we tried for a little bit but uh that wasn't the avenue we tried doing a couple events together and but it wasn't until uh i would say what uh, world youth day sydney that we really made a stab at an uh, intentional effort of presentation between music and, and lecture. And it, we loved it. it. We thought it worked very well. So we then uh, planned another event in uh, Milwaukee. Uh, there was a full day event that was like kind of scripted out where it would go in between music and lecture. And we named it after one of my song lyrics from a song called The Killing Floors called uh, the lyric is, uh, to fill these hearts full, we reach and grab for more. And so we named the event To Fill These Hearts Full. And we love that. Mm. And then we started refining the event, whittle it down to fill these hearts, uh, which then became a book as well. And that was kind of the birth of, we decided to make it official and start a ministry called The Core Project. All the while, I'm still doing my own music, still doing my own records, but now it's like I'm also infused in this, you know, Christopher and I start this new organization, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's kind of how it started. That was maybe seven years ago, and um, yeah, that's how it that's how it began. No, it's really so. neat. <laughs> how is it like um, intertwining the two, faith and music, together, and being able to do that as a career? Honestly, it's amazing. I love having um the i love performing for different people for me uh performance and when i say performance i mean like um putting out an effort whether it be live or whether it be an album so like i love providing music for people uh for me it's all about the connection and and having a a, just a pure honest connection to someone's heart and back from someone's heart and having that communion and what's great is um, I love doing that for a bunch of different audiences. And, and like, doing stuff in ministry, for me, is actually, it, 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 sometimes it's the best because the connection is so pure. Like, people, especially with Christopher, like, like people, when they listen to Christopher for, like, 20 minutes, 
their hearts are just open. Mm-hmm. And then I get to get up there and play a song, and it's like playing songs that kind of open heart is really what it's all about. But it's also great because like, I found the same thing on the secular side when I play festivals or a club is, you know, there, there's a point in which in the performance where you, you know, you, you get that person's that level of openness. And it's important because as a performer, you are open. And, and when you, like for me, when I create something or when I perform, it's all about vulnerability and being open to have a real dialogue. Like, how do you have the best conversation with a loved one? It's when your guard is down and you're open, you're, you're vulnerable and open, and it takes time to get there. And so performance is the same way. I have that with both kind, all kinds of audiences, uh, as well as, you know, like, or like when I get an email from somebody who is not of any kind of particular faith, but they just like are deeply moved by a song or it helped them in some way. Like that stuff is, is I see that across the sacred secular lines. So, um, but I do feel truly blessed. And like what I love about the ministry side is, you know, like I love playing, I love performing, I love creating, but I do also love like the community. I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to get to meet like amazing Catholics and Christians all around the world, and there's many moments that I have where I'll be like in this beautiful religious spot with these amazing people, and I just look up and wonder, like, man, how did I get here? Like, why, <laughs> why did I get? You know, why am I able to do this? So, um, I'm very blessed, and I, I'm, I'm. It's my job. To, I just constantly try to acknowledge and be aware of my blessings. Yeah, it's a beautiful gift, and it's very rewarding at the same time. Yeah, definitely. It's like a, it's like a meal that's fulfilling and nutritious. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So then on the core project website, I kind of fell up on this theme of destiny that you guys are talking about. And I feel like seeking destinies is very important, but I think it's also with doing it with God's help, because I think that sometimes the world tells us that we are solely in charge of our destinies, that, you know, you don't need anybody else to help you. You are in charge of you. But yeah. I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand. So how does your faith keep you on your path to your destiny, on your purpose? Well, I think it's important to, to remember, think of the term destiny um, in light of uh, fulfillment, right? So being created in the image of, of God and, and being human uh, part uh, post-fall, we have options of directions to go, but there is a fulfillment of our potential, right? There's a full potential that we can reach uh, through, and that's why Jesus came here, is to help us get there, right? Mm-hmm. So though desti- destiny in, in the in the worldly sense, you know, there is like a, a strong sense of like, well, whatever you, you know, you, there's something written for you, and you, it's in your hands to make it, Yeah. Um, which is it's kind of the same thing. But, you know, for, for us, it's you know, for destiny is is uh, is coming becoming the true man woman that we were made to be, and fulfilling the destiny by completely understanding our identity and our potential and connecting the two. So yeah, so for me, you know, I'm one who who easily forgets. I'm uh, I'm kind of a blinders guy. Like mm-hmm. if if you point my head in one direction, I'll forget like where I just was. Mm-hmm. And, and what's, what had been around me, and I'll just be focusing on what is in front of me. And though it's good sometimes to compartmentalize in, in a creative sense or in a, in a, in a, 
sometimes a family sense or sometimes a business sense. It can be bad in a faith sense. And so I think being in this work is good for me to be immersed all around constantly in a faith community because I, no matter which way I look, no matter what the blinders are blocking, I'm always being confronted with that reality and always being reminded of my destiny, my potential, and encouraged to go there. So I think that's, yeah, does that make sense? No, oh, of course. And I completely okay. love that description. That's it's great. Big, that's a big concept for me. I'm surprised <laughs> I was able to pull that off. <laughs> I know, so early in the morning, too. <laughs> right. So then if there's one thing you want people to leave with after the Made For More event, what would that message be? Uh, one thing I want people to walk away with, mm-hmm. what message, hmm, going, kind of going back to what we talked about with destiny. We have a true, a, a full potential in this, with this gift. It's our, it's our job to enter into that full potential. And, you know, those things might be good. Uh, joy makes them great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have the gift that has been presented in front of us through our faith. Man, this is now, now, see, I was kind of in a zone before. Now I'm like getting way too wordy for my one thing. So my one thing <laughs> is indifference, bad, joy, good. <laughs> so good. And it's possible. Yeah, that's exactly. Like, that's and like, it's possible. Exactly. Yeah. Through and faith, anything is possible. Yes. Okay. How about this? My one thing. All right. So I'm not going to whittle it down now. Here's the creative process. <laughs> in real in real time. My one thing is it is possible. That's what I want people to walk away with. Yes. <laughs> That's so good. So then right. my last question is, um, I looked up on iTunes and I saw that you have so much, uh, like a widespread of collection of music throughout the years. And, you know, some are solo albums and others are with artists. What is um, the cool part about doing things solo versus also doing things with other people? I would have to say, like, I always, I always relate it to colors. My wife um, is a painter. She doesn't paint as much anymore because we have kids. But um, when she used to go to the, to, the, to the store to buy paint supplies, a new color not just introduces the color in and of itself, but when combined with the other colors, gives you a wide spectrum of, op- of options, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yep. If you introduce different gradients of what, even a white to a red, you can have a wide spectrum of of, of deep red to pink, mm-hmm. right? You know, I am, Dirty Harry says, a man must know his limitations, right? I think it's important to know what you can do as, as an artist and as an individual, but it's also just as important to know what you cannot do. And you, you have to walk that fine line of really teasing out your, your abilities and really understanding what your what you what you what your inabilities. Mm-hmm. Collaborating is a new color that brings great things out of yourself and also fulfills areas shading that you could have never done yourself. And um, so for me, I I see like even the band work I do as collaboration because I know my band members and I know their abilities, and that gives me the freedom to write music in a way that caters to what. I can do personally and what I know they can do. And so like when I write, if you know, I work with strings. So if I write a song and I start writing out string parts, I know based off of the specific players that are in my band, what ballpark of string part I should go, I should write because then I'm going to, I'm going to get with them and I'm going to let them just finish the picture. 
And when I say right string parts, I mean like the, an idea. There's like a, a, a melodic structure and idea. And then that frees me up then just to hand it to them, as opposed to completely writing all the string parts out by myself. It frees me up because I know my limitations to say, hey, this is the, the, this is the color. Let's find the shade. Let's find the right tone of the color and make a beautiful picture together. That, I think, just makes, you know, instead of making a, a picture that's just red, orange, or red, yellow, and blue, uh, it makes a picture that's filled with so many more colors and, and, and pastels and shading, and um, it just makes a picture come to life. Yeah. So I think, I think that's my, that's my, that's my elaborate answer. <laughs> I like I it. It's very vivid. Morning, that's so nice. I just, yeah, I must have, like, done something to <laughs> awake my mind. This is crazy. You must have been painting last night. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I must have slept at a Holiday Inn or something. That's a, you know, I loved it. That was really good. I could picture it. I could see it. And then you took it back yeah. to music. That was great. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So then Christopher West and Mike Mangione will be on the May 4 More event at Prince of Peace Parish in Ormond Beach on Wednesday, April 25th from 7 to 9.30 p.m. And you can you all can purchase tickets online at coreproject.com slash Ormond Beach. And they're only 20 bucks, so it's worth uh, an hour and a half that you guys could spend with them. <laughs> it, it's definitely worth it. And also, um, you know, there's always more events being added, especially around the country. But I know Florida will be coming back to you. So I definitely check out the trailers for the event, check out the website, and, and just keep an eye out uh, for the next time it's coming through. All right. That sounds great. Thanks, Mike, for being on the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Catherine from Faith It Radio. Catch you on the next one.